This episode of the Stock Market Movers podcast is brought to you by Calamero St. Heliers. In my opinion, and I'm not biased, the best pizza and pasta takeaway in Auckland. Located at 59 Long Drive in St. Heliers, pop in for some great food and some great stock market chat. It is Friday, the 4th of October 2019. My name is Jeremy Medlin and welcome to episode 60, the big 60 of the Stock Market Movers podcast. Just a reminder that nothing that I say today should be considered financial advice. And if you're looking for financial advice, I recommend that you speak to an authorised financial advisor. So, I'm only going to talk about one stock today and probably go into a little bit more detail than normal just because I think it is quite big and interesting news. The, the big news came from Kathmandu. They trade on the NZX and the ASX under the ticker code KMD. And I did an episode about them recently and I seem to be talking about them an awful lot because they recently re- released the annual report, so it's coming up in the news a lot. Anyway, the headline read, Acquisition of Rip Curl and Equity Raising. I was a bit blown away by this. It was not something that I was expecting. Rip Curl, for those that do not know, is a surfing brand like, I guess, the surfing apparel and equipment and everything like that. So they design, manufacture and retail surfing sportswear and accompanying products. But I remember when I I was growing up, they were quite a fashionable brand. I remember getting a a Rip Curl jersey in like Form 1 or 2 or something like that and felt really cool and and, and all the cool kids certainly had Rip Curl clothing. I'm not sure if it's quite the same for the cool kids in 2019, but it's definitely a, I would would say, a recognisable brand both in surfing circles and outside surfing circles. So it's it's, it's a reasonably well-known brand and, you know, an Australian brand as well. So a New Zealand company that's going out there in Australian and acquiring an Australian brand. So it's sort of within Catman's wheelhouse, and it's sort of, it's sort of not. And you know it is obviously, an, it, Rip Curl is an outdoor focused and has a sporting edge to it, but it, it's also a, a step outside for what Catman do are, are known for. It's it's not, you know, you can't say Rip Curl is sort of the the great outdoors type camping and and. and fashion and the the camping fashion and you know the equipment that goes along with that you know the tents and the puffer jackets and all that sort of stuff that they're known for so it is really interesting um and let's get into the the detail of the announcement and i'll i'll read directly from the update and and throw in my own two cents from time to time as well so Katmandu, they've entered into a binding agreement to acquire 100 percent of rip curl group limited for 350 million australian around 370 million new zealand i'll stop right there i mean this is a huge swing for the company it's, they're not just trying to hit singles with this they're trying to hit home runs um, and the analogy is, is quite apt because when you swing for the fences, sometimes you connect and sometimes you strike out. But it's a big swing on almost every metric. Just just a comparison, the company has $442 million in equity on their most recent balance sheet. Um, you know, that was from financial statements released to, that I spoke about in a recent episode. So another way of looking at this is the company has a market cap of around $700 million before the shares were halted after the announcement. And... And this is around half of that. So the point is, whatever way you cut it, it's a pretty big deal for the company. You know, it's not like a $5 billion company acquiring a $350 million asset. It's a, you know, it's it's a big swing. So at $350 million, they are paying around 7.3 times EV, which is enterprise value. And the 2019 
pro forma normalised earnings before all the costs or EBITDA. Quite a mouthful of adjustments there. I'll, I'll repeat it. Pro forma normalised EBITDA. So I'm going to rise above it and, and not complain about the use of EBITDA this week. But let's continue. The next few bullet points are about Ripcurl being an iconic brand retailer of surf and equipment and apparel. I don't need to go into this, as you all know what Ripcurl is. But the acquisition of Ripcurl, and I'm reading directly from the announcement here, creates a $1 billion global outdoor and action sports company. $1 billion in revenue, that is. So this underlies, again, how big of an acquisition this is relative to the size of Kathmandu. So Kathmandu's revenue in... 2019 was 545 million and um, they're expecting this to add 455 million in revenue so they're virtually doubling their revenue and and this <laughs> it's been a, it's been a fun one to put in perspective the size of the acquisition but I'll do it again I was looking back in the 2018 to an investor presentation when Kathmandu acquired the Obos footwear brand and I've previously praised them in the past in this acquisition I quite like the way they did it and I quite like the acquisition for the company but that was 60 million US so 90 odd Australian so the Ripcurl one is three and a half times that size so they they like I keep saying they really are taking a, a big swing so how are they paying for it and that's obviously a, a key question when assessing a deal of this magnitude so Kathmandu they have an okay balance sheet in fact maybe Better than okay, but it's not, it's not a fortress. It's it's pretty good. Um, so I imagine this will add a, a heap of inventory to the asset side, and it'll it'll likely add a large amount of goodwill. Goodwill, as I've mentioned in the past, is the difference between the tangible assets on the balance sheet and the purchase price. So it's it's the it's the intangibles essentially. So that they're going to raise one hundred and forty five million New Zealand from a placement. It's interesting that the the founders and the CEO of Ripcurl have elected to receive some of the consideration. The consideration means what they're receiving for the acquisition of the Kathmandu shares. So, in in Kathmandu shares, so they're receiving part of the payment, about thirty million odd in, in Kathmandu shares. So, it, it doesn't say if this was Kathmandu's or the founders' idea or or just an agreement, but. Maybe Kathmandu, for example, said you have to take some of the payment in shares because it looks better and you're more likely to be incentivised to be involved. Or maybe, and this would be better for the existing shareholders, if the founders insisted on the payment in shares because they felt that Kathmandu was such a great company and they just wanted to stay involved in Ripcoil and everything like that. I remember reading somewhere or hearing somewhere about something that Warren Buffett acquired back in the day where the person being acquired or the owner of what was being acquired basically insisted upon payment in Berkshire shares and insisted because he knew what an operator Warren Buffett was and it turned out to be a, a fantastic decision. Um, so obviously sometimes payment in shares is, 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 is a better way to go. Um, anyway, they're also going to raise $220 million in debt. I think that this will add risk to Kathmandu as a, as a company. You know, obviously not if the acquisition performs wonderfully, but more of if it doesn't. And of course, it wouldn't be the first acquisition in history not to perform well. So the debt will push the debt onto Kathmandu's balance sheet somewhere in the neighbourhood, just taking the debt on the last financial statements and adding this on, somewhere in the neighbourhood of 250 to $260 million, which is, is quite high when you strip out the intangible assets on the balance sheet and quite high relative to the tangible assets. So... What, what they're paying, the cash flows that this will generate will really dictate the success going forward. 
So while we're on the topic of risks and the debt is a risk, the investor presentation lays out what what they identify as some key risks to the acquisition. If you can't find it, it's at the back of the presentation, the section without the fancy pictures of good-looking surface holding boards or pie graphs, and it has a smaller font than the rest of the document. So if you find pages that look like that, you have found the risk section. So let me speed through it. The first risk they, they point out is basically that they've either done crappy due diligence or that they have been provided incorrect and misleading information from Ripcurl. I mean, that sounds far-fetched on the surface, but compare it to buying a house. I mean, how often do you see when you go through an open home that the cracks are painted over? And you know, just like the, the risk section of this investor presentation, you know, they've, they've, they've left that at the back and everything like that. So Ripcurl have no doubt put their best foot forward you know I, I deal with business sales as an example in my day-to-day job and people are always trying to put their best foot forward so I do consider that a risk to be honest um, that basically maybe Kathmandu hasn't done their due diligence and maybe they're paying too much so I do consider that to be a real risk I mean of course we're not going to find out about this and in, into the future unless you're really good at assessing the value of root curl. Um, the next key risk they point out is personnel risk. Basically they're talking about key personnel risk here. You know, they're not talking about the shop store store assistant leaving or anything like that. They're talking about the key management personnel and key parts to the root curl company. To be honest, I don't really see this as a major. I think it will obviously be you know, they're focusing on the key managers, like I said, but I believe that Kathmandu probably have the experience and the resources to deal with most eventualities here. So I don't really consider it a big risk. The next risk is business integration failure. And I, I do not really see this as a long-term risk, but it's going to cause some headaches in the short term. I think any time a company like like a seven hundred million dollar company takes on something worth three hundred and fifty million. There's going to be some sort of short term speed bumps, no doubt. Um, I'm I'm convinced of that, and it, it always happens. So it'll be up to Kathmandu, the management, to, and and the integrations how they deal with this over the long term. I I think that they've got the capability. Um, information systems upgrades and decline in, in brand loyalty. Those are some of the other risks they pointed out. But I'll put those in the in the same category. It, it, this shouldn't be a long-term risk to the deal. The next ones are serious risks and obviously a, a downturn in product sales and change in operations of os, osmosis, which is some of Ripco's stores and shopping centres. I think this comes back to the first point which is basically back to the due diligence. If, if Kathmandu have done their due diligence and bought the, the business at a price that reflects its future value, then the, this, this should be all sorted out in the wash. So I'll skip past the next one, which is the loss of lease of, of key premises. This is one area they definitely would have done their due diligence on, and that's the retail leases. Kathmandu know the lease game, obviously, and they will know, what they, know where the risks are and, and what they're buying there. So I don't really... You know, of course, they could lose some key premises if landlords kick them out. But I imagine, for the most part, they have pretty tight leases. You know, it's just a legal thing, so I, I imagine it's all good. Um, the financing risk is real. I've I've spoken about that. Very real in my view. They'll have a lot of extra debt on the balance sheet going forward. Um, so we, we've talked about that. There's that's a, a definitely a real risk with this. Um, then there is the completion risk. So the acquisition is conditional upon the approval of Kathmandu's shareholders. I imagine it will, will be pretty straightforward, but it could be quite interesting. We know that Briscoe's owns around 20% of the outstanding shares. I would love to know what they think of all this. I've always found it a little bit annoying when Briscoe's 
that they always get asked about their Kathmandu holding and the response is always the same. It's like, we are monitoring it. Um, I wonder if Briscoes will comment now. I'd love them to. It would just be interesting. I wonder also if they'll participate in the equity raise. Um, I think I saw an announcement today that the equity raise was successful. Um, so I wonder if Briscoes participated. It would be really interesting to see. I would say that they probably have the resources to do so. And they've probably... I can't say with any certainty, but I imagine they've been looking out for something else anyway, so it might be an easy option for them to put more money in it. So where will the market cap, where will the valuation be? Um, this this will be interesting. Just using the numbers at the end of the investor presentation, they, they put forward like an expected balance sheet before and after. So Kathmandu is currently trading on around 12 times net profit. So approximately, and we're talking broad numbers here, and they believe that the combined group with Ripcool have a net profit of 81 million. So if you just take that 12 times and slap it on that, then you've got a market cap of somewhere around, around 1 billion. The question will be whether the market assigns more of a premium or a higher multiple to that because they see the consolidated group as a stronger company. So maybe it could, you know, say 15 to 18 times or something like that. Or if the opposite happens in the market, assigns a greater risk to it, they see the the, the businesses not working well together or, or whatever it might be and suddenly you're looking at, you know, eight to ten times. So that that's it'd be really fascinating to see what the stock does after trading. Not that, that what the stock does after it starts trading again is has any impact on the long term nature of the business, but it, it will be just quite a, it's it's always fun to see the stock swings after this sort of thing. I imagine there'll be a gap in the stock price in in, in one direction or another. Um, but I guess that the true impacts aren't going to be known until sometime into the future. So you can go through the investor presentation and read all the strategic rationale for the the deal. They're not short of it as you'd expect. There's so many nice pictures and information. I mean, they're anticipating spending nineteen million dollars on transaction costs and financing fees. So they should be able to come up with some rationale for it. And if you pay some consultants they'll certainly come up with some rationale it looks like that's what they've done there so they expect to generate earnings per share accretion in excess of 10 percent for full year 2020 financial year 2020 sorry and synergies the word synergies wasn't mentioned that frequently in, in the investor presentation which is surprising because it, it you know these sorts of things are normally flooded with the word but synergies basically remain means removing duplicate duplicate costs whether that is through the consolidation of assets or by laying off people or both but the key thing is you're removing costs for some reason, every time I think of synergies, I I have the image of like the head of health and safety in my mind. I'm not I'm not sure why why, but that it's always the first thing that pops into my mind into my head when I when I, when the word synergy is mentioned. Um, because let's face it, you probably do not need two heads of health and safety. Obviously, that's not where the synergies are. The main synergies are coming from. You know, you, you're talking about consolidated distribution you know, marketing teams and all, all that sort of thing, that's where you'll get the synergies. So anyway, you can you can hear that I'm losing a bit of focus here. Just to quickly summarise, this is a really interesting deal. It's it's great to see a New Zealand company acquiring such a well-known Australian brand. Maybe one day they'll spin it off and it can be an NZX company and, and, and wouldn't that be an ironic outcome? But if you want to do some peripheral research, I think Billabong, was it Billabong or some other... Don't think Quicksilver, but I think Billabong used to be 
a listed ASX company. So maybe you might be able to go and find some old annual reports and some information there just to run some comparables. The company, another one that's that's quite interesting for comparables is is Globe International, which trades on the ASX under the ticker code GLB. They're a skating brand and fashion brand. So I think they also have some snowboarding pictures and some surfing pictures, but I think mainly skating and fashion. So a similar sort of business model, or at least close enough to Ripkill. So you might find some interesting comparables there just in terms of peripheral research and valuations and everything like that. So one way or another, this will define Kathmandu going forward, in my opinion. Um, I think the size of the acquisition relative to the size of Kathmandu will dictate that. If they nail it, it will provide some nice synergies along with some sweet diversification to their other businesses. And if they really did nail it, the diversification would be, would be a big thing because I think from time to time the Kathmandu as a business is a little bit cyclical. Um, it would also bring the Ripcurl brand in-house and it, it, it is in line with their strategy of providing more, I guess, branded and exclusive merchandise and I, I do like that strategy but as I said it is a it is a big swing that if I guess they, they've either gotten it wrong either in the due diligence or, or overpaid for the acquisition then if, that, if that's the case then time will only will tell um, and I guess <laughs> when you'd find out about that was is you eventually hear about it when the management team gets recycled and the new one writes down all the goodwill from the acquisition um, but as I said, right from the start, it's a big swing. I like to see big swings. I don't always like to see big swings from companies that I'm invested in, but I, I really do like, I really hope they connect and, and smack it right out of the park. So really interesting one. Um, keep an eye on it. And I'll, I'll certainly be providing updates on the podcast as well. It won't be the last that you hear from it either. Um, there's there's a, an extensive timetable in the investor presentation. So there'll be more news in this and I'll, I'll try to report back. That's about all I have time for, though. Um, thanks very much for listening. In. Only one stock today, but as I said, it was big news, it was significant news, and probably the most significant news on the markets this week. So thanks again for listening into the podcast. Remember to check out our, our great sponsor, Calamero and St. Helliers, and a reminder that nothing that I said today should be considered financial advice. If you want to find out more about the podcast, go to www.stopmarketmovers.co.nz or find it and give it a like by searching on Facebook. Please also also share it with your friends. Email me any questions you like like to you'd like to have read out from the podcast to Jeremy at stockmarketmovers.co.nz. And once again, my name is Jeremy Medlin and this has been episode sixty of the Stock Market Movers Podcast for Friday the fourth of October twenty nineteen. We'll see you all again next week.